What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Jon Stewart is back at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's an R&B renegade. The man behind the most recognizable sound of his generation. But T-Pain's road to success was paved with personal anguish. As a teenager, he was betrayed by the one person he thought he could trust. He struggled for years to make his mark on an industry that rejected him, until one phone call changed his life. T-Pain never looked back and climbed to the top of the charts, creating hits with everyone from Lil Wayne to Britney Spears. Now R&B's wild child has it all, fame, fortune, love, and the most unconventional of marriages. For the first time, the kid from Tallahassee opens up about his unlikely journey to the top. This is T-Pain, the story behind the music. It's December 2011, and T-Pain is back home in Tallahassee, Florida with his wife, Amber. It's been a long, long time. Long time coming. <laughs> After buying back the house he grew up in, he's visiting the property for the first time in years. Every dream I've had for the last, like, eight months has taken place in this house. It was so much that I called the psychic, like, what do these dreams mean? She said, it's just God letting you know to not forget where you came from. Hey, now. What are you doing? What's good, now? Good to see you home. Yes, ma'am. I had sex right here all the time. Pulled my car from over here to right here. I didn't want anybody to have my house. I don't know, it was like a sense of pride, I guess. I told everybody that I would stay in this house when I made it, and that's what I'm doing. Not literally staying in it, buying it, (laughs) but it's still mine. Oh, man. Let us see tuna. There's a song like that. T-Pain was born Fahim Rashid Najim in Tallahassee, Florida on September 30th, 1985. One of five children, he grew up in a middle-class, close-knit Muslim family. But as a shy and unusual child, he always felt like an outcast in school. My childhood was kind of terrible. I wasn't treated that well in school by the kids. I used to get picked on a whole lot. Fat, chubby, tubby. They would make me try to do push-ups. I didn't know how to dress. Smell like crap every day. I would wear the same clothes for like three weeks. The kids used to tease me, used to call him repeat ton. And I never knew what that meant. And finally, one day I asked him, I said, what does that mean? They said, oh, he repeats the same clothes every day. Young Fahim and his family were an anomaly, a stable unit in a neighborhood that was otherwise a sea of poverty and broken homes. I was the only kid in my neighborhood that had both parents. We was a strong middle-class family. I had a very powerful job. 
My wife was working with the school board, so it was a very powerful two-income family. We were entrepreneurs. We used to own a restaurant. We were mission-oriented. In his spare time, Shahid Najam worked with neighborhood kids, teaching them an alternative to a life of drugs and crime. Young Fahim, naturally, looked up to his father. They were very tight. They always was together. I used to have a youth program, Homeboys to Men, and he was one of my prominent members and the youngest. You believe what his daddy was telling him. My dad taught me, you gotta know yourself first before you can say anything about anybody else. Because if you know how you feel when you go through things, that's exactly how everybody else feels. He's just super smart. Shahid also shared with his son his love of music. And when his boy was eight, gave him an important gift. My dad found a keyboard on the side of the road. And my dad was a salvage kind of guy, so he was like, this looks like it still works. He bought it in, plugged it up, and it worked. Then about a week later, to my amazement, he said, Daddy, I know how to play your favorite song. I said, you don't even know what my favorite song is. He said, uh-huh. And he played Lift Every Voice and sing the Black National Anthem. I said, whoa, this boy got a little something here. Fahim spent hours in his room listening to the radio, teaching himself to play along by ear, and quickly realized his passion was also a gift. I would see different parts of the music. I would see a whole song, and I would literally see the parts that I'm hearing just come apart. It would kind of weird me out, but I didn't talk to anybody about it. I didn't say anything about it because I thought everybody could do it. I thought everybody saw that. I thought that's how you get music done, by seeing it first and then doing it, but it's not. Fahim's father soon bought him a bigger keyboard and a four-track recorder. The 12-year-old began writing and producing his own music, transforming his bedroom into a studio. It would become his sanctuary as he still faced ridicule and taunts at school. That was definitely my solitude, to just lock myself in my room, yank that radio up with the speakers my brother had, and and just play those bass lines. I would take my anger out like that. I would just play bass lines to music, and that would calm me down. That would make me forget about everything that happened that day. That's all I was trying to do, just forget. By the time he reached eighth grade, Fahim's father made a bold decision. He pulled his son out of school. Finally, Shahid said, I'll make a deal with you. Homeschool, you can do your music, but you got to get your education. And one size don't fit all. So I removed him. Get me out of this damn school so I can go home and record. <laughs> That's all I was worried about all day. I just wanted to do music. I wanted to be the biggest, the biggest thing out of Tallahassee. By the fall of 1998, a precocious 13-year-old named Fahim Najam had a single-minded goal to become a rap star. Once I've set my mind on something, it has to happen. <laughs> it has to go down. Trapped in the depressed surroundings of his hometown, Fahim looked at hip-hop as his only way out. So he took on the moniker T-Pain, with the T standing for Tallahassee, to rep where he came from, and to remind him where he ultimately wanted to go. T-Pain mostly came from the pain and struggling of trying to get out of Tallahassee. Now, I think you have to have a certain push. You have to really want to leave. If you don't, then you're doomed. 
T-Pain spent the majority of his time in his makeshift bedroom studio. It wasn't long before word spread about his fly setup, and MCs came knocking on his door. The moment I started getting friends is when everybody found out I did music. I had been in studios before, but it's like this home studio is just different, you know. His work ethic with the music, you know, like I say, his imagination is crazy. T-Pain, along with his brother Rashid and five other local MCs, formed a rap collective they called the Nappy Heads. And while Payne was the youngest member, he wrote and produced most of the material. I would describe the Nappy Head sound as revolutionary. The Nappy Head's first breakthrough was in 2002 on a bootleg track called Robbery, with T-Pain literally robbing the beat from someone else's song, making it his own. Robbery took off like nobody's business. It was Kaya, my neck, my back. We just made a hood version of it. At the time, nobody really was doing beat jacks like that to that extent. From then on, it really turned into this huge thing where the neighborhood knew us, then all the Tallahassee knew us, then Florida, then Georgia, then Carolinas, and then it just started spreading and spreading. With his father managing the group, 16-year-old T-Pain and the Nappy Heads hit the stage. One, two, three, Nappy! Touring throughout Florida and the greater Southeast. Yeah, this your boy T-Pain, a.k.a. Teddy Penderass down. Represent Tallahoe 850 to the fullest, dog. We did at least 270 shows within a year and a half. We worked real hard, and we tried to master our craft. T-Pain's single-minded focus left little time for a social life, but that all changed the moment he laid eyes on Amber Wyatt. I met Amber December 7th, 2001. This was at her sister's birthday party, and I was producing her sister. She's beautiful, the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my life. What's wrong? Why are you hiding? Oh, look at that. See? As soon as I saw him, I was like, that's my husband. And everybody was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and the whole time, I'm so nervous, I got the camera on. Beautiful. Really beautiful. The camera I'm carrying, I have it on, but I have it pointing at me, so I don't have to look at her. I'm, like, filming myself having a conversation with her, so I don't have to look at her because I'm so nervous. And I gave him a hug, and I didn't want to let go. <laughs> Amber walks up and kisses me fireworks all over the place. Just all over the place in my mind. By the end of the night, we were telling each other we were gonna get married. As T-Pain and Amber embarked on a meaningful relationship, another was dissolving before his eyes. After his father allegedly cheated with several groupies on the road, Payne's mom walked out, and the 17-year-old shouldered the blame for his now broken family. I say it was my fault if I would have never done any of this. My dad wouldn't have been on the road to get those women for my mom to find out. Even now, I can't put that out of my head. I really want to, but I just can't find any other logic that would have made that happen. Shahid Najm also took the breakup very hard. The family scattered, and T-Pain and his father found themselves alone in their once vibrant home. I was a family man. And to all of a sudden be without a family, it hit me. He started getting depressed. He started getting real depressed. The maintenance of the house started going downhill and his dad was 
in his room a lot of the time with the door closed. Shahid's behavior grew more erratic by the day. And then in the winter of 2002, he hit rock bottom in what spiraled into one of the most terrifying experiences of T-Pain's life. I hear him cocking a gun in his room, and he just keeps cocking it. Cock, 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 cock. And then he stops cocking it. He goes, yeah, mother you scared now? And I'm like, oh, God, I don't know what's going on. I can tell that he's really mad at something. And he's like, yeah, what you gonna do now? What you gonna do now? And he came running back in the studio, and I was like, what's going on? And he's like, my dad is holding a gun. He's just telling me there was little tiny men coming out of the bed, and he was kind of hallucinating, and he said somebody was messing with the window. I call my mom, and I said, Mom, Dad has been yelling at me, saying somebody on his bed. I told him that his father had a problem. I felt like he needed to know it because he was an adult. A deep, dark family secret had finally come to light, one that had been carefully hidden from the teenager for years. That's when my mom told me that my dad had been on cocaine for a really long time. And come to find out, that's why we ran out of money. While Shahid Najim denies that he ever had a drug problem, for T-Pain, who had always looked up to his father, the news was stunning. That was terrible as hell. That was terrible. I, I, for one, I didn't believe my mom. I just hung up on her. It was impossible for him to believe because it was his father. And here it was, you know, he was falling victim of the same things he had taught them not to do. So Fahim withdrew. Fahim was very devastated. It was like, why isn't anybody telling me what's going on? And he just felt kind of like an outcast. Everybody knew about me. I had no idea. That's the moment I stopped believing everything else was it. Everything. I never believed him again, anything he said. Coming up, T-Pain makes a bold move. And later, a baby girl provides inspiration when Behind the Music continues. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. 
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. By the winter of 2002, 17-year-old T-Pain's dreams of rap superstardom were stuck in neutral. His group, the Nappy Heads, were well-known in the South and had attracted plenty of interest from record labels, but Payne and his Tallahassee crew had yet to strike a deal. He was getting very frustrated with the music because it would seem like everything would be going really good and they were almost there. They would have record deal offers and then it would just all fall apart and it kept happening over and over. Nappy has made no money. We probably got like a hundred bucks every show a piece, but it was so many of us. We had to split all that money. You know, my dad was the manager, so he would get the biggest cut. He took my money and his money. But, you know, God knows what he was doing with his money. T-Pain had reason to be skeptical. He had recently been told that his father had a nasty, prolonged drug habit. And now, Payne felt trapped. When my mom left, he started bringing girls to the house and started bringing other people to the house that I knew for sure was on cocaine. It just started getting weird. A lot of times he would go live in his car because he could listen to his music in there, and that was his escape from all the harsh craziness that was going on. I would ride around all day and not do anything, just being depressed. No reason to go back to that hell. I didn't want to be in that house anymore. That house was haunted with bad memories. Flat broke, T-Pain was heading down the one path he feared most, getting stuck in Tallahassee. He knew the only way out was to create a sound all his own. I wanted to change. And the amount of rappers that were popping up out of Tallahassee, it was like, I gotta do something different. Everybody I was around was a rapper. But I wanted to sing. He wasn't a Luther Vandross singer. He wasn't a Chris Brown singer. But he was an entertainer that had singing in his heart. It came natural to him. As Payne began experimenting with his voice, he remembered a computerized vocal he heard years earlier on Cher's mega hit, Believe. And after an exhaustive search, he found an effect called auto-tune. It was something driving me to look for that damn thing, and I found it. Boy, did I find it. In 2004, Payne put auto-tune to work on his bootleg version of Akon's Locked Up. He called his version effed up. Not locked up, but effed up. You know, the car broke, it can't go nowhere, you know, bad times, no gas. You know, I can't get nothing done. This was somebody that I respected as a lyricist. And now he's singing, and I was kind of shocked at myself. I was like, yo, this song is hot. The streets were buzzing from Tallahassee to Atlanta, where Akon's brother Boo, an aspiring record exec, took notice. The first time I heard T-Pain, I was like, yo, this kid is good. Boo said, yo, you got to hear this kid. He kind of reminded me of you in a lot of ways. As soon as I heard it, I was like, we need to sign this kid. I was going to McDonald's to try to get a job. I got back home, got a call on my rickety cell phone that had like a minute and a half left on it, 
and it was Akon, and I didn't believe it. And I'm like, who's this for real? It's Akon. Stop playing my phone, man. They hug up. <laughs> and he called back, and he was like, yo, this is really Akon. Don't hang up. He said, oh, <laughs> yo, it's here for real. Yo, my bad. I didn't mean to hang up for you. But he actually thought that somebody was playing on his phone. <laughs> Akon sent Boo to Tallahassee, where they made their pitch for T-Pain to join their fledgling label, Convict Music. But they had competition. Now the major labels were knocking on his door, too. Interscope offered the most money, offered 900000 just off the top signing bonus. As soon as I signed, I get $900,000. It's crazy because we didn't have money like that. So at that moment, I'm like, I lost this kid because you gotta understand, I didn't have the power. I couldn't really do anything for T-Pain other than say, listen, man, I need you to believe in me. All I know is that I can give you an opportunity, and I believe in you. And if you ride with me, I'm gonna ride with you. T-Pain was torn. His gut was telling him Akon. But his father, still acting as manager, felt they deserved more. My dad wanted the money. Shahid wasn't having it. Shahid was like, you are not going to Atlanta. You rap, you sing, you dance, you produce. You deserve a bigger check than that. I was seeking the fair market value for the talent of my child. He had invested a lot of time and a lot of money into making sure that Fahim got what he needed. But at that point, Fahim wanted to be a man. He wanted to make his own decision. After spending a week in Tallahassee, Boo needed an answer. With hardly a dollar to his name, T-Pain knew he had to follow his heart, no matter the consequences. I'm just thinking, Akon was just the truest, you know, the most considerate person that I've heard, even though he wasn't offering any money at all. So I'm in my car, and I'm about to back up. He comes running out the house. He was like, yo, man, I'm coming with you. So I'm like, you coming with me where, T-Pain? To Atlanta, man. I'm like, huh? He was like, yeah, man, I can't take it no more, man. And my father got into it. I'm tired of this I packed up. Clothes, shoes, lamps, blankets, just random things, tape, uh, <laughs> salt, all kind of anything that was in my room, a dirty bowl. Like I was just stuffing stuff in his bag. He called me. I could hear his heart beating through the phone. He was just so nervous and excited and scared at the same time. Crazy thing was, we pulled out of my driveway and my dad was pulling in to come pick me up to take us to the airport to go to meet with Interscope. He pulled up and we pulled out. With his dad in the rearview mirror, T-Pain set his sights on the future and never looked back. That was real hard. That was one of the hardest times of my life. That was the first time I ever had truly made my own decision. That was the moment where I believe I became a man. By the fall of 2003, T-Pain set his sights on the future and decided to share the ride with his girlfriend of two years, Amber Wyatt. In September, just weeks before his 20th birthday, they exchanged wedding vows. We have that old-fashioned, kind of unconditional, forgiving love. Everything that's happened to us has been destined to happen. She supported everything I've ever done, everything. Not long after the couple wed, they welcomed a daughter they fittingly named Lyric. That was just probably one of the most happiest times of my life. That was just beautiful. It pushed him even harder. He was like, I want her to 
not have to worry about anything ever. With a young family to support, T-Pain was eager to jumpstart his music career. After parting ways with his one-time rap group, The Nappy Heads, Payne inked a deal with Akon's Convict Music and was making his move as a solo artist. You gotta learn how to fly. You're either gonna hit the ground or you're gonna hit the sky. And I chose to hit the sky. In August of 2005, T-Pain dropped his first official single, a track inspired by his wife called I'm Sprung, which quickly became a top 10 hit. Everybody was talking about gangster stuff. Everybody's talking about, I'll shoot you, I'll kill you, and Payne's talking about, you got me doing the dishes. That's what made him stand out, was the uniqueness. Payne seized the momentum, and in December released his first album aptly titled Rapid Turn Singer. The music had edge with an R&B feel, a unique combination that Payne coined Hard and B, and a new legion of fans ate it up. He admits the things that guys think about would love to admit, but would never dare say it because it makes them seem less hard, well, uncool. I think that's where he won. He, he actually captured the hearts of all the hardcore fellas that was actually sensitive inside. T-Pain also captured the hearts of the ladies, putting his young marriage to the test. He all of a sudden has tons of women just throwing themselves at him, and he had never experienced that before. We hit some bumps in the middle of that. I had cheated on her, like, a couple times. That's when I was just getting more famous and more famous, and I was able to get more girls. And I felt terrible, and, you know, I still feel terrible about it. I was pretty mad at him and being pretty mean to him and resentful, but we love each other to the point where we're willing to fight to stay together. Resolved to make things work, T-Pain and Amber took a trip to Costa Rica where they found an unconventional solution to their problems. We found this club down the road from our hotel. We went in there, and it was like strippers all over the place. And I get her a lap dance just as a joke, you know, like, yeah, dance with my wife. It was very random, out of the blue. The next thing I know, I'm like kissing one of the strippers. I was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. He's like, no, 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 no. It's okay. And Amber turns to me and she says, I like her. I was always attracted to women, but I'd never told him. But once we went down to Costa Rica, it just kind of came out. And we've been having fun ever since. The couple quickly realized they had found a creative way to strengthen their marriage. I think it just added another spark. You know what I'm saying? I think it's just fun. The rules are, I can't have sex with any girl by myself. That would be cheating. <laughs> and uh, that's it, actually. It's really weird. You would think it would mess a relationship up, but it was like from that moment on, he just opened up. That, in turn, made our relationship a lot stronger. By early 2007, T-Pain was a rising R&B star, known for his signature autotune sound, and for critics who thought the computerized effect was a gimmick that wouldn't last. Payne answered with the single, Buy You a Drank. I was just like, this is going to be the most massive hit we've both ever seen. It's not the typical love song. And that's Pain again, going outside the box. Pain has always kind of marched to his own tune. He does stuff that feels good to him. The Feel Good Party tune gave Pain his first number one single and fueled the success of his second album, Epiphany, which also shot to the top of the charts. 
Now everyone took notice, as T-Pain became the most sought-after artist in music. Every time he would get a song, he would just deliver. Like, it was just a hit. It was undeniable every single time. During one remarkable stretch late in 07, he was featured on four of Billboard's top 10 singles. But it was his collaboration with Kanye West on Good Life that made the most noise, earning Payne his first Grammy for Best Rap Song of 2007. Grammy night was awesome as hell. That was just, just indescribable. T-Pain had taken a huge risk when he decided to change his image from rap to R&B. And as he stood on top of the music world, it all seemed worth it. Coming from somewhere where nobody liked you, nobody talked to you, and now everybody wants to like you and talk to you. It really hit him. You know, okay, you came from people calling you fat, ugly. You can tell all of it was just replaying. I kept seeing those people in the crowd that used to like tell me that I need to change my style up. And the only thing I kept saying in my head, it was like a laser, like I had laser eyes. And it was like, you, 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 you. I just kept looking around. It was so awesome. All night. I kept doing it. And then I was like, oh, congratulations. Success was indeed satisfying, but Payne wasn't able to share the joy with his former manager, confidant, and mentor, his father. It had been three years since T-Pain abruptly left home against his dad's wishes, and they had barely spoken since. Me and my dad had a strange relationship after all that convict stuff went down. You know, we didn't talk. It hurt me to see the split between him and his father because I didn't know how to try to pull it back together. I always knew that in the back of his mind, regardless of what they went through, he wanted them to have a relationship. I knew that for a fact, but his father would never reach out. That hit me hard as a man. Oh, I was dejected. I was depressed. And so I've been patiently waiting for that day that he'd pick up that phone and call daddy. In 2007, T-Pain did better than that. Hoping to make amends, he invited his father to one of his shows. Backstage, the two met face to face for the first time in years. My dad came in my dressing room and he's going off and going off. We get into a huge argument. He stops the argument, he said, well, look here. You give me $250,000, you ain't never got to worry about me for the rest of your life. He was like, what? what? You're my dad. He didn't want it to be about money and it broke his heart. I don't know. That was the worst words I ever heard my dad say to me. People try to compare it to when their parents like die. I don't think it's anything worse than your parents being alive and telling you to give them some money and just act like they did. Any chance of reconciliation fell by the wayside, even more so because Payne's father denies the story. I know I didn't ask him for $250,000. That's jump change. I don't know how somebody can expect you to have any respect for them after that. At this point, it's unfixable. I won't let it get fixed just because I won't believe anything he says. Coming up, T-Pain comes under fire when Behind the Music continues.
In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. By the fall of 2008, T-Pain was a bona fide star, dominating the musical landscape with hit songs, Grammy Awards, and over $60 million in ringtone sales. He came in and changed the face of music. He got the biggest artists in the industry to actually want to be like him. Like, hey man, we're lost. We can't make a hit. You got 30 hits on the radio. Like, what are you doing? But Payne always had his critics. And now the whispers over autotune sounded more like a deafening roar. I think the backlash first began with pain and autotune when everybody really did start trying to use it and trying to outdo him. It had like just got so saturated that everyone was using autotune. I think that whenever it's too much of something, then it becomes a problem. They had to blame somebody. So obviously he started it, so he took the blame for it. If you're gonna criticize something and you're gonna just hate it to death, you can't like it at all. You can't say that I suck when I do it, but if Chris Brown uses it, it's cool. Or if Jamie Foxx uses it, it's all right. But T-Pain is the one that sucks? When he uses it, that's weird to me. If you said something sucks, then something sucks. Always seeing himself as an outsider, T-Pain took the criticism in stride and forged ahead. In late 2011, he released his fourth studio album, choosing the title Revolver, which reveals a second and more meaningful word, evolve. I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't let anybody or anything hold me back. I'm just trying to work to get better, master my craft, and get respected for it. The sky's the limit with him. He can do anything. T-Pain has evolved personally, too. Now a father of three, his relationship with Amber is going strong. And that's all the inspiration he needs. She supported everything I've ever done. Everything. I'm the same with her. Whatever she want to do, I'm doing it. I would do anything for him. He's amazing. 
he promised himself that we would never downgrade. It would only be upgrading from here on out. And I think that's what pushes him to keep going and basically keep taking care of his whole family. T-Pain has never forgotten how far he's come. Holy crap. Man. It's going to be for Nappy Boy in a second. Oh, boy. As he finally walks inside his childhood home for the first time in years... Oh, Lord. He heads straight for his bedroom, the makeshift studio where his dreams and ambitions were born. Oh, man. Look at this. It's weird, like, I haven't been in there in so long, and it's... Just the things I used to do in here. Weird. If somebody's in that booth and they're recording and they're not getting it right, I would cut the air off. And that's the only air supply they had, the shoe box that's covering the vent that goes into the booth. And if I would cut that off, it is not a happy day in record land. For T-Pain, the journey has always been as an underdog. And he uses that as fuel to keep moving forward. My biggest motivation right now is proving a point. I'm just going to keep pissing everybody off. The more annoyed people are, that means the more successful I am. I'm just taking a ride. And whatever's brought my way, whatever stops we make, can only get better. T-Pain has continued to grow and evolve. In 2013, he cut off his signature dreadlocks and announced his fifth album, Stoicville, The Phoenix. The project represented a new beginning for the singer, despite being plagued with delays. And he has continued to push the boundaries of his music. He sat down with NPR for a Tiny Desk concert, performed live without auto-tune, showcasing his natural vocal range and ability. The performance remains one of NPR's most popular Tiny Desk concerts. In addition to music, T-Pain has made forays into television, hosting two seasons of T-Pain's School of Business. In 2019, T-Pain won the first season of the TV show The Masked Singer, and on the same day released a surprise album, One Up. T-Pain's time as the underdog is over, as his genre-defining sound has helped shape the direction of pop music and established his musical legacy. Listen and subscribe to Behind the Music on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Be sure to rate and review Behind the Music on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Want more episodes? You can watch Remastered, Best of the Vault, and new episodes of Behind the Music only on Paramount+. Plus. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.